Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all of you who are online. We welcome you. These last two weeks have been a shocking time, an amazing time in our church. We have seen so many people who have come to faith in Christ over the last couple of weeks, and we have now baptized the last two Sundays, 91 people on all of our campuses over the last two Sundays. It's amazing, and you've just seen more, and we have more in the next service coming. It's just an amazing thing that God is doing among us. Now, the question that you have gotta ask is, once I get to know Christ, once I've been baptized, what's next? It's sort of like what happened uh, in first century and the church was 120 people and they were in an upper room and they were praying and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and and, uh, it was so noisy, it was so loud, it got the attention of people that were around them in the city of Jerusalem. It was packed, the city of Jerusalem was packed because they had about a quarter uh, of a million more people than normal in that city because of this big holiday uh, called Pentecost. And when all the noise happened, everybody started coming out of their houses, going toward the noise, and out comes this 120, all the apostles and all these other Christ followers have now been filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter preaches. He wasn't prepared to, he, wasn't, he, he didn't know it was going to happen, there it was, and he simply told the story about Jesus and what Jesus did. The Messiah has come. He died on the cross. We, we nailed him to the cross. Our sins nailed him to the cross. And he rose again from the grave. And he preaches this sermon we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And 3,000 people accept Christ as Savior. I can't believe it. And they were immediately baptized. And now the church on one day went from 120 people to 3,120 people. So you got to ask the question. They did. What? What's next? What's next? On all of our campuses, we have a room that we titled Next Step Center because that's what's next. All of us, all of us are growing and maturing in our faith and all of us have a next step. So where do you go when you need help about your next step? The Next Step Center. Would you, would somebody, could somebody tell me about how to know Jesus as my savior? Where do I go? Next Step Center. And they will guide you through what it means to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And you can make that decision. Well, if I have come to know Christ as savior and I want to be baptized, where do I go? Next Step Center. Want to join the church? Where do I go? Next Step Center. If I want to go into a small group, but I don't know where to start with all these connect groups that people call Sunday school and other churches. I don't know how to get started with that. We'll go Next Step Center. I would love to be a part of ministry. I I want to help other people. I want to be a part of doing some kind of thing that is here at Sugar Creek. How do I get started? Next Step Center. All of our next steps are at the next step center that's why we call it the next step center so what's next in my life these 3,000 people accepted Christ they got baptized what's next and that is where the next passage that we're looking at comes from in Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47 We've been in a series now four weeks this is the last message in the series uh, entitled back to the future And the whole point of the series was simply this idea. We need to go back in time 
we need to go back to the first century. We need to go back to that first church and look at two chapters, Acts chapter one and two, and hear these promises that God told us, hear these things that God told us he wanted us to do and see what that first church did and how we emulate them. We need to go back and see where we came from, see who we are, see where we're going. As we get out of this pandemic, as we sort of been knocked a little bit off center and other churches have, getting back to who we are and what we're about, that's pretty important. And that's what the series is about. So what happens? What is the church to be about? Well, take a look then at what happens in Acts chapter two, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now, all the believers were together and all held all things in common and they sold their possessions and their property and they distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and they broke bread from house to house and they ate their, their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying, enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Last August, as I was wanting, and I shared this last week, wanting to get ready for the series, and I knew that this was coming. Uh, we hadn't titled it Back to the Future. I just knew that this series was coming in August, and I, I was reading uh, Acts chapter one and two, and I got to this passage in Acts chapter two, and I just felt God say to me, okay, go back and actually read it this time. Actually read this passage, and as you do, you will see Worship, connect, serve, and share. So when I went back through it, I said, oh, I can't believe it. I, I have missed that. All these years, I've preached on this passage. It has worship, connect, serve, and share in it. Why that was so important is that that's our strategy as a church. How do we help people keep taking next steps and grow in their Christian faith? Well, all through the Bible, it says there's four things that need to happen. We need to learn how to worship and learn how to hear the word of God and respond to God's word. We need to be with other Christians where we build relationships and friendships called fellowship and, and study the Bible together where we can ask and answer questions. And then we need to be a part of serving, helping other people, and we need to tell other people that don't know Christ about how they can know Christ. Worship, serve, worship, connect, serve, and share. Well, last week, I talked about the first two, worship and connect. This morning, I wanna to talk to you about this serve and share thing because they're right here in the passage. So let's take a look. First of all, a world-changing church is where everyone serves others. Not just some, not just a handful, Oh, I go to church so that other people will serve me. No, not, not just having other people serve us, where all of us serve others. All of us are a part. So here is what I want you to see. All of us have been given a trust from God. What a, a trust. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter four. So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it's required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. What is this trust? Our trust that God has given to us are our talents and our abilities and our resources and our opportunities. 
You have them. You, you have all these talents and all these abilities and all these resources and all these opportunities that God just keeps opening up in your life. All of these are called in the Bible a trust, meaning God trusts you with these. There was something that God wanted you to do with these and he gave them to you as a trust. It's very similar to the parable. You remember the parable in, in the Gospels where Jesus has this parable. A parable is a made-up story that has a spiritual truth to it. And Jesus made up a story about a king who had three servants. Now, the story is really about God and us. But here's the idea. There was a king that had three servants. And just before he left, said, I'm going to leave and go uh, be gone for a while. Then I'm going to come back. So here's what I'm going to do. For the first guy, I'm giving you five talents. Now, a talent in New Testament meant a sum of money. And it was a lot of money. And I'm going to give you five of a whole lot of money. Wow. And I want you to invest this money and work this money and use this money. When I come back, I want you to be able to give me my five talents I gave you and all the money you earned as a result. What a responsibility, what a trust. And the second one, he said, I'm gonna give you three talents and I'll come back, you give me my three talents back plus what you've earned. And the last one he gave one talent, but a talent is a lot of money. So he gave to all three of these different levels of trust and then he left. It was sort of like Jesus leaving, you know, and going to heaven. And now at a certain time, you won't know when I'm coming back. And when I come back now, you will have to give an account for how you use the money and what you did for me. Well, he came back. When he did, he called the first guy in and the first servant came back in and said, here is your five talents you gave me. And I made five more, 100% that I've made for you. Well, the king said, you are a faithful servant. I am so appreciative. The second guy comes in. He's only been given three talents, but he comes in and he gives the king the three talents he got and three more. He had doubled it too. And the king said, you are an amazing servant, faithful servant, well done. Now it's interesting to me that the king said the same words to both the guy that made five and the guy that made three. He didn't say to the guy that made three, you, the other guy made five. What's wrong with you? No, he didn't do that. And you know what? It gives me a sense of hope. There's a whole lot of pastors that are a whole lot more talented than Mark Hartman. But one day when I get to heaven, I'm not gonna be accountable for what they did, how great they were. I'm gonna be accountable for how God wired me with the opportunities and the talents and abilities he gave to me. And the same thing with you. You're not going to be judged in accordance to some other person, but what God gave you. What did God give you? What was the trust he gave to you? Well, the third guy came in and he said, uh, here's the one talent you gave me, but I don't have any more because I hid it. I was afraid I'd lose it, so I knew one thing. I didn't want to lose it, so I hid it. Now I'm digging it back up and giving it to you. And the king said to him, you are a wicked servant. See, if he'd have just made one more or just whatever he made. But no, he took the talent that he had and he hid it and I'm not going to use it for the king. 
and the king calls him wicked. And Jesus is simply saying, one day, every single one of us will stand before God, all of us, and we will give an account of not somebody else, but ourselves and the trust that God gave to us. And how did we use it? The talents and abilities, the resources, the opportunities, how did we use it for God? We are to use our abilities to help others. This is what the Bible is saying to us. I've said, I've mentioned this to you before, but I'm enamored with this. The study that was done and discovered that every human being has between 70 to 100 talents. And some of you are saying to yourself, when I use the word talent, I mean it the way we in English use it, talents and abilities. And some of you are thinking, okay, maybe I have three. I don't have 70. No, you got 70. You got so many talents you know nothing about. You've got talents that you're not even counting as talents because you don't understand that they are, but you are talented. You are an amazingly talented human being. Yes, you. And we have all of us between 70 to 100 talents. You know what I've discovered? That every day we live, we learn more. This is the fun thing about living. You learn more and more about how God wired you, what God did for you, how God blessed you. It is amazing. How talented, amazingly talented that you are. And how God has wired you. And all your life, you're learning more and more about who you are. God has given you talents. Now, on top of that, one more thing real quick, and that is when you accept Christ as Savior, you are given spiritual gifts on top of all the other things. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. You have spiritual gifts. You have talents and abilities, resources and opportunities. And all of these things, God's trusting you with. And here's what he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. He's describing ministry. And God is calling you into the ministry. He's calling you into the ministry. Maybe not full time, not maybe being a pastor of some church or something, but he's calling you into the ministry. He is saying, I've given you abilities and talents. I want you to use them to bless my kingdom. For all of you that are, are watching online right now, maybe you're thinking, uh, see, you've entered into this service and you're more and more becoming connected to Sugar Creek and we are so happy about it. We are really considering you friends of our church. And some of you, I've heard that some of you even joined the church. Yay, God for you. Did you know we're learning more and more about online church and we are learning that we can have people serve online. That there are things that a person can do in service to other people online. And so you are watching. If you're watching the chat that's going down, See, that's the one thing I don't get to see when I preach all the chat that's going on in the room. I don't get to see all that. But some of you are, okay, that was meant to be a little bit of a funny thing, but it wasn't. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. I, you've got that chat and online hosts right now are telling you how you could be a part of service. And we would love it if you did. All of us have talents and abilities. And my question to you is what are those and are you using those for God? Are you sitting on the sidelines burying them? 
God has given us an opportunity to serve him with times and talent, with time and talent. But here is the second part of that serving. We also use financial resources to help others. That's what's actually happening in the passage. So let me read it to you again. Acts chapter two, verse 44 and 45. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. And they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. So they got saved and they were baptized. And you know what they did? They sold their house and their stuff and they gave it. So is that what we're supposed to do? Is that what I'm telling you to do? It's not what I'm saying. You, you go to all the other churches in the New Testament and none of them are doing that. But I think this was a special moment that was happening in the church. They just went from 120 to 3,120 and they had all these widows, they had all these people they had to take care of and they were stepping up with a generous heart. What the Bible teaches is be generous. Be generous in a way in which you can help other people and bless other people and his ministry. It is the call of God to use our possessions in service to God. The pandemic hit 20 months ago or whenever, 22 months ago, the pandemic hit. And early on, people were being shuttered. They said you couldn't go to work. And a whole lot of people that were hourly employees, they lost their job. Other people could work from home. They couldn't work from home. And they had no income, no work, no income. How do we eat? How do we take care of ourselves? And that was people all over this region. Sugar Creek started what's called Second Mile Mission Center and gave it away. And now churches all over this region partner with Second Mile just like we do. And so we talked to Second Mile and they said, we got so many people coming. You cannot believe the hundreds and hundreds of people that are coming. We don't have enough food for them. So we got... Uh, your attention and services and other communication devices and we said we need you to bring food and we said not one time we need to keep bringing food and bringing food and bringing food and bringing food and you know what you did our church over all of our campuses and online our church would go members would go to the grocery store and they would buy food for themselves then they would buy a whole bunch of food for somebody else they didn't even know who was going to get it and you would bring the food here, and we couldn't believe it. The truckloads, I'm not exaggerating, the truckloads, we kept piling them into these trucks and then driving them off. And we had set times, we said, you come this time, all the campuses, and there was a trail of cars, way out, trail of cars waiting to drop it off. Nobody wanted to touch each other. You know what I'm saying early on? So they didn't want to get out of their car, and so they drive up, hand the food, and this church gave so much food. I, I didn't know how much. It was just so many truckloads. And when we came to the end of that, it was no longer needed. We just asked Second Mile Mission Center, what did Sugar Creek give? I mean, do you have any idea? They said, we know exactly what you gave. See, every time it would come in, we would put on this humongous scale and we always go by weight. So marshmallows, not so much, but canned goods, yes. And so... They said, we can tell you, Sugar Creek Baptist Church alone has given 100 tons of food to Second Mile. 100 tons. The last time I checked, a ton is 2,000 pounds. 200,000 
pounds of food. I'm very proud about one thing. I mentioned to you during this time that people need cookies. When they're eating all the good stuff, they need cookies at the end. And they, Second Mile said they got so many cookies. Where are all these cookies coming from? And why is all over? So I was very, very proud of Sugar Creek. We got cookies that was in there. Did you know during that time, some of our members lost their jobs? And so we said, we're going to help you. And over the span of, of, of a few months, we helped at the tune of $100,000 of helping members who were struggling and hurting because either they got cut back in their hours or they lost their jobs. We didn't give money out. We don't give money out. We paid utility bills. We paid car payment. They had to prove up what their situation was and they were glad to do it. And then we helped them kind of carry them through until things got back together. And I was so proud of our church. $100,000. We were helping each other, taking care of each other. I don't know if you remember, but Hurricane Laura passed through about six months into the pandemic and it hit Louisiana and especially Lake Charles. It was sort of a direct hit on Lake Charles and Lake Charles was underwater. And we heard about a church. We didn't know anybody from that church, but we heard about a church in the poorest, poorest part of Lake Charles. And they had a 50, they had insurance, but they had a $50,000 deductible. The, the pastor totally lost his house. It was totally destroyed. He, he had insurance, but he had a $10,000 deductible. Almost all their members lost their jobs. What in the world do we do? So I will tell you, when we found out about it at Sugar Creek, we wrote a check for $60,000, $50,000 for the church, $10,000 for the pastor, and we didn't just send a check. We took a team of people there to say, we're going to help you with the cleanup and help you get, get things put together. And I had a conversation with that pastor, and that pastor, with tears, said, we just feel like you were a gift from heaven. We feel like God just packed you up and brought you to us, that you blessed us like you don't even know us but you cared about us. He said, one day, one day you're gonna have a need and the moment you do, I want you calling me and we're gonna be there for you. This is what Christians do with each other. I won't tell you the ministry that contacted me, but a ministry that I deeply trust and I know them and I know the money goes well. A ministry that has work in India. And I won't tell you the name of the ministry because India is not, uh, the Indian government is not friendly toward Christians, they are oppressive. And so they called and said, the pastors are pastors. There's a lot of Christians and they live every day in oppression there, especially the pastors. Many of them get beaten up, have their houses taken from them and all that sort of thing. He said, these pastors don't have much at all, but they're getting COVID. People in their church are getting COVID. They don't have any medicine. They don't have access to any oxygen machines, anything. Sugar Creek sent $50,000 to this ministry and it was used exactly what they told us about. They bought food, they bought medicine, they bought uh, oxygen equipment and they passed it out to all these churches all over the countryside. And we were a part of that. Second Mile Mission Center is buying their building. And they said, we would love it if you helped us. We wrote them a check for $150,000. We're gonna help you with this pursuit. Where did this money come from? Where did this money come from? It came from us. It came from you, it came from me, it came from us. 
And, and it's managed. We've got, we've got committees that manage and staff that manage. And it was managed to the T so that we could get the most out of it. And when the moment came, we stepped up and helped each other and helped people that we didn't know. That is what he's talking about in this passage of scripture, that we serve others because financially we open up our, our hands and our arms and we say, we don't tight fist the things that we have. We freely share because others are in need and we wanna be a part of helping. This is serving. Serving with our time, serving with our talent, serving with our financial resources, helping out each other. I wanna tell you, I love you. I just flat do. I love this church. I love all of you that are on all the different campuses. I, I so love this church because the heart of this church cares about people. And I say sometimes when I write you a letter or something and I'll say, uh, I love being your pastor, Mark Hartman. It's not a saying. It's just flat true. You're the kindest, most gracious, most giving people in the whole world. And this is part of what God has called us to serving with our time, with our talent, with our financial resources, serving each other, serving others, serving people we'll never see until we get to heaven. Serving people who don't like God, but still serving. There's a second thing that he says in the passage and it's this, a world changing church shares Jesus with others. Worship connects, serve and share. So what, listen to what happens in Acts chapter two, verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. They didn't keep the gospel to themselves. They gave it to anybody and everybody, their next door neighbors. They told them about Christ. The, the people at their job, they told them about Christ. The people that are at, in, at school, God has called us to open our mouth and share Jesus Christ with other people. And he brings other people along our pathway for the sole reason that we could be a part of those people coming to know Jesus as their savior too. I don't like all of the documentaries that the History Channel comes up with about Christianity. Some of the things I'm sitting there thinking, boy, that is so wrong. You do not have that history correct. Uh, I, I know a little bit about our history and I'm, I get a little disappointed with them, but I wasn't about this article or this story. There was a story in, that uh, the History Channel did on religions in the first century in the Roman Empire. And they were going through all the different religions, you know, Zeus and all those uh, 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 idol worships and all that sort of thing. And they went through all that. They even said that there's documentary evidence, archeological evidence that's been uncovered that first century religions used sophisticated machinery and chemistry. Is that surprising? That there are, so what, how do they do that? They rigged the idols made of wood and stone to sound like they were talking. Somebody's praying to them and then the idol talks to the person. They think it's the idol talking, it's not. But they rigged that. They even had, they were saying in there, they had run a pipe through to the corner of uh, an idol's eye so that when you're praying to the idol, it will look like the idol is crying. 
you know, tears are coming down the cheek of the idol, but it's actually a little pipe and they're piping water through. Or, and they even had some substance that would look like blood and they would, it's like he's crying blood for crying out loud. Look at, look at that. They even had one in uh, the temple of Zeus in which they had strings. I don't know how they hit it. That looked like the iron chariot of Zeus was flying. I mean, they really got into this. Then when the History Channel got to Christianity, they said they were too poor and they were too powerless. But here's what they said. Why is it that Christianity ended up becoming so strong it took over the Roman Empire? How did this happen? And here's what they said. People seem to be drawn to Christians because of how they treated each other and how they treated even those who opposed them. For the Christians, it was their love, their kindness, and their teaching about the resurrected Jesus that attracted people to Christianity. Here's what I wanna say, we have the message. The message of God's forgiveness, the message of God giving you a purpose for life and helping you to get your life together and relationships together. And the Bible is so full about how to live. But it needs to be encased with people that love each other and people that love others that aren't part of the church and people that love people that oppose us. Jesus said, by your love, they will know you are my disciples. It is by our love. And in the midst of us showing other people that we love them, even in the atmosphere we live in now, showing people we love them, it opens hearts to hear the truth about the resurrected Jesus. Who's your one? Who's the person that God has brought across your life? Someone at your job, someone in your school, someone at your neighborhood, someone that you encounter. Who's your one that God wants to use you to help bring them to him? Did you know that several people over the last two weeks have come to know Christ as Savior and they came to church because they were someone else's one? They were invited to church, here they are, and came to know Christ as Savior. Who's your one? Uh, at the last minute as we were dismissing the first service, this came to mind, so now I'm gonna say it at this, at this moment in the, min, in the message because I, I, um, I drink Diet Coke and I, I already know uh, Diet Coke's terrible, so don't send me any emails telling me that it is. I already know it, I've read it all, I know all that stuff. But I still drink Diet Coke every day. And so I go to McDonald's because McDonald's has the best Diet Cokes. I'm, I don't have any shares of stock in McDonald's. All I care about with McDonald's is the Diet Coke. So I go every morning and I get a Diet Coke from McDonald's. There is a McDonald's close to where I live. And you know, I, I get to know the people in McDonald's. Uh, and they see me pretty often. So uh, a couple of Sundays ago, at six in the morning, because they open at six. So there I was right there getting it on my way to church. And I stopped and I got a Diet Coke. Well, the woman that has 
serve me, you know, in, in, in the drive-thru so many times was there. And uh, so anyway, uh, she knows my name now and I know her name because we've introduced ourselves to each other. So I get up to the window and she hands me the Diet Coke. I'm handing her the dollar and eight cents. And she said, I'm not taking your money today. This is a, a gift to you today. Wow, are you serious? She said, yeah. I said, why are you doing this? She said, because you're a nice guy. I said, well, you have judged me correctly with that. That's really, <laughs> and, and humble and humble and proud of it. So I, I said to her, uh, I'm a pastor. She said, I figured you were. She said, who shows up at six o'clock on Sunday morning with a coat and tie on? Who does that? So I, I kind of thought you were a pastor. So where do you pastor? I said, Sugar Creek Baptist Church. And she said, I, I would be interested in knowing more about your church. So I got this little gift bag, you know, with a cup and got na our name on it and a little book on God's promises and information about the church. And I gave it to her. And then uh, I went in on a few days after that, I went in in, there are too many people in, in line. So I went inside and there she was taking a break. And so I walked over to her and she said, I, I love the book on promises. And she said, uh, we went online and we saw all the stuff and we saw all the things you do for the kids and that kind of thing. And she said, I sent it to my cousins, information about Sugar Creek, your website to my cousins. My mom is gonna come. Uh, the moment I get off on Sunday morning, and I have to work on Sunday morning, we're coming to the Richmond Rosenberg campus. Richmond Rosenberg, you better be listening to me because when they come, you better be very, very nice to them. So she said, we're all going. We live closer to the Richmond Rosenberg campus and a Diet Coke may be reaching several families. And I'm just saying to you, wherever we go, God is wanting to use us. We gotta open our mouths, we gotta tell people, we gotta invite them to church and invite them to, to, to Christ. We have to do this. And we will be stunned at the difference that God will make if we will just open our heart and say, you know, part of what God is wanting me to do is share Jesus Christ with somebody else. A world-changing church shares Jesus. There's one more thing and we're done, it's simply this. This little thing stuck out for me and it didn't fit in worship, connect, serve, and share because I think it's the capstone of it all. Listen to what it says in Acts well, here it is. A world-changing church radiates an awe of God. And listen to what it says. Acts chapter two, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles. And I had interpreted it. Well, they saw the miracles and they were in awe of God. Pastor Libin Abraham and I were talking about this and he said, I don't think that's what it's saying. Here's what I think it's saying. Everybody was in awe of God. And in awe of God, God moved to meet their needs in miraculous ways. And he's right. It begins with awe. Not the awe of a miracle, the awe of the miracle maker. The awe of God. The awe that God would love us, that he would care for us, that he would be there for us, he would meet our needs. The awe at this God, 
this God let us be called a child of his. The awe of God. And as we are in awe of him, he moves in our lives in amazing ways. Here's the illustration, and I want you to see this video. Hi, my name is Bruce. I'm one of the pastors here at Sugar Creek. And in late July of this year, I had what was scheduled to be a routine surgical procedure. One of my parathyroid glands needed to be removed, and so I had that surgery done. And though the surgery was successful, when I awakened, I could not talk. Unfortunately, one of my vocal cord nerves had been damaged during the procedure. And I went through three and a half months of the inability to talk normal. In fact, many of you heard me try to talk. It sounded like I had a severe case of laryngitis, but it wasn't laryngitis at all. It was that one of my vocal cord nerves had stopped working and was paralyzed. So some of you saw me wear this little box around, uh, around my neck, and I had this little headset on with a microphone on it just so you could even somewhat hear me and understand me, but people still had trouble understanding what I was saying. And it was impacting my life every day in very concerning ways. And I was just desperate. I, I went to a speech therapist who, who checked everything out and said, you basically have two options. Option number one, you really need a miracle. Option number two, there's a procedure we can do that can help bring your voice somewhat back, but you won't be fully pleased with it because it won't be completely back. And we'll have to repeat that procedure every six months for the rest of your life. And this was such terrible news. And yet, of course, I asked God for a miracle. Within 30 hours, which was the very next day, a large percentage of my voice was back. And within two to three additional days, it was 100% back. God has literally done a miracle. I'm so thankful. And thanks to you, so many of you prayed for me that God would do this thing, and he has. And I rejoice. Thank you, Lord, so much. I don't understand why God chooses to do miracles sometimes and not others. I don't understand that. What I do know is he is still doing miracles. And here is what I want to say. The greatest thing that could be about us is that we get to know our father better and we become hopelessly in awe of God that we are in all of him and we allow him to work as he pleases and to do as he desires. And I wanna tell you, we will keep seeing God move in our midst. The awe of God, the awe of God. Now look, <clears throat> what talents and abilities, what trust did God give to you? You gotta be willing to use these things for him. 
I want to encourage you to get involved in a ministry. Well, I don't know how to get involved with ministry. Next Step Center, I think we established that. And we will help you. You can get involved. We will help you. I want to ask you, would you share Christ with other people? It doesn't have to be this big thing. It could just be a Diet Coke at McDonald's. But wherever you are, letting God use you to touch the life of somebody else. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you given your heart to him? If you haven't, all those of you that are online right now, you can. In just a couple of moments, I'm I finish praying, stay for the online, the virtual Next Step Center and talk to someone. And from all of our campuses, do that in the physical Next Step Center on your campus. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we acknowledge, oh God, we need you. And oh God, we love you. Now, oh Lord, we are willing to understand you better and to be in awe of you. We ask that you would move in our midst in a way that honors you and pleases you. And we'll give you all the glory. I pray, Father, for all of our campuses or that today would be the day of salvation for some that are here with us and that today would be the day of turnaround for others who have walked away from you. And Lord, this would be the day in which we come closer to you and come to know you better. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.